Welcome to Boy Boy Time Podcast. We're gonna get lady time, yeah. Oh, it's your boy, Boy Time Podcast. Coming in with the slam dunk of a theme song. Hi ho ho, it's me, K Hui Kwan, back at it again with a new episode of the Boy Time Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by Babby and Paul. <laughs> Indeed. This has been the slowest year of all time. Yep. We had a decent yep. amount to talk about last time, but most of that was discussion stuff. Um we're 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 scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I I need studios and things to announce stuff. As of this podcast coming out, the Xbox showcase thing has happened. But as of us recording, it is not. So we have not seen the new Starfield trailer. We have not seen the new... I don't know what else is going to be there. They said just first-party studios, so I don't know if we're going to see what Rare's up to. Um, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, Elden Mario Ring Kart two. spinoff. Uh, Nuts and Bolts 2. <laughs> Nuts and Bolts 2, but it's actually a racing game this time. Uh... I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, well, they did... Back in the day, they made Diddy Kong Racing, and Banjo was in it. And that That's was true. that was before Banjo-Kazooie even came out. Yeah. Pretty, a little bit of gaming trivia for you there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I trust current Rareware with that. Even though they've been making pretty good stuff. Sea of Thieves and the Battletoads thing, I've heard are great. Well... I've heard Battletoads is great. Sea of Thieves is pretty good. We know Sea of Thieves is good. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good game. Um, so, we're not going to be talking about Xbox. We actually don't have any gaming news at all. No. Nothing has happened. Um, I guess I could give a little bit of something, because I am playing The Last of Us Part 1 right now. I will, I, I don't know. Not a whole lot has changed from the base game, obviously. Um, but there are a couple things that I'm very happy with. Uh, I don't know if... I don't know if this is, like, a super well-known thing, but in The Last of Us 2, you can lockpick. Um, it isn't, like, ever explicitly said, and you are encouraged to, like, go and find the combinations. But if you just kind of, like, sift through every single number, you can... There is a little work. indicator... For when it, uh, when you hit the right number, and they did add that to The Last of Us One, um, which is very cool. I always forget where like the letters are for each of the safes. So, and it's like the most satisfying thing when you pull off a successful lockpick, because it's never like the game never babies it for you. It's like something you have to actually have to find out. Um, and then once you pull it off, it's like, yes, I can hear. <laughs> feel like a spy or something. So I like that. Plus, they got rid of, and I actually don't know why they did this, but I think in the original Last of Us, when you, like, grab uh, enemies from stealth, if it was a human, you could move them around a little bit and then take them down. But if you did that with a zombie, then you couldn't move them around. You just had to get them where they stood you can move zombies around now i don't know why they made that change i don't 
Interesting. It's not, I don't think it's like that in The Last of Us 2. I don't know. It's been a minute since I played The Last of Us 2. Um, but pretty good. I'm, I mean, it's still The Last of Us 1. It Just the, the cut scenes are better. So, I mean, it, it's definitely the definitive way to play it. Is it worth paying the $70 if you already have it on, like, the remastered version on PS4? Eh, maybe. I don't know. It's probably worth it if you're getting it on PC when it comes out, I think, beginning of March is when that comes mm-hmm. out. If you haven't played it before. or then if I'll you consider getting it. Huh? That, then I'll consider getting it. Yeah. Um... Plus, if you get it on the PC, then you should still be able to get all the DualSense stuff, if you have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all of the PlayStation 5 games that they have released have had the DualSense stuff as long as you plug it in. Unfortunately, I have mine connected through a dongle, so it doesn't work. Rip. Wah, wah. But, you know, that's fine. Uh, but, yeah. Last of Us 1, still pretty good. I started playing it because we're watching the show, and the show is also very good. But we'll get to that later, if we're going to talk about it at all. We don't have a whole lot to talk about, and we're probably not going to do episode-by-episode breakdowns unless something spectacular happens, but um, I don't think anything super spectacular happened. I mean, clickers were introduced in the show, which the sound design was amazing. Yes. I think that's probably the highlight of the whole thing. Um, and we got my boy on the, the score, so. Is Gustavo. it is it Gustavo? I think so. I love that. I saw, uh, didn't they, um, they incorporated the Last of Us theme song there at the, mm-hmm. uh, when they're looking out at the Capitol. Um, which now that I'm replaying the game, I'm noticing how many lines they've reusing. <laughs> no, last yeah, this episode especially that one a was a lot. Um, not that I'm complaining, but um, just noticing it more now. But very good. I thought that this episode was very nice. Spoiler: Tess gets got, which what? she gets got in a different way. This is like the biggest change they've done and I actually don't know if I really like the change not the the actual ending of it but in the original Last of Us Tess gets bitten by a zombie in a section where you can't save her like basically Joel and Tess and Ellie are split up and Tess gets bit and then you know she reveals it way later when she finds out that the flyer fireflies they were supposed to hand Ellie off to in the big old courtroom or the Capitol building or whatever, they're all dead. And she's like, ah. Um, and in the in the game, she kind of reveals her bite and is like, this has been like a couple hours. And then she pulls up Ellie's sleeve and says, this has been three weeks. So like, this is real. And I think that might be better. I, I get what they were doing with the show because the show handles it a little bit different where Ellie gets a bit again in the same place. And then... Tess is also bit. And I get what they were trying to do to, like, show more directly that, like, Ellie was bit at the same time Tess was, and you can see how the bite gets worse on Tess and how it doesn't get worse on Ellie in the same amount of time. But also, like, showing, like, the bite 
that was three weeks old also kind of does the same thing. It isn't like a big thing. It's just like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Because it isn't like super obvious because she was still bitten by something and her arm's still bloody. Um, having it be like an old bite kind of makes it a little bit stronger, I think. Maybe just a little bit. But I get I get what they were doing and it's fine. But the the big old twist thing is that Fedra isn't the one that killed all the guys, all the fireflies, is that it's the, it's the zombies. And they made it... This whole episode was very zombie-centric, um, where getting out of Boston is kind of a mix of the, of the two. Um, but I don't care. It ended with a, a very sweet and romantic kiss scene, which I am always really? a fan of. Fantastic. Yes. Um, I really like how the how the fungus has been treated in the show, because it mm-hmm. it's quite a bit different in the game. Because, like, I've, you never really see the fungus as... I think now that he has the story more fleshed out, he wants to, like, use the show to, like, highlight portions in the game he couldn't. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of, like, fungi talk. <laughs> yes. Um, which I am... Which is I, good. Because, like, it, that's good for a TV show setting and not a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there are things that you can do with a TV show that you can't yeah. with a game where it's, like... I don't know how you would work that the whole, like, you touch one, like, spore thing and a fungus thing, like, oh, on the other side of town, and then, like, the fungus, like, tr- communicates with itself with all the zombies that are maybe on the other side of the town, and they all run over, like, at the end of the second episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that would work in a game. I guess, technically, you could make it work, where it's, like, before you go to, like, a big, like... If you went to the school with Bill to get the car and then Ellie oops steps on a mushroom and then all of the zombies show up, but like kind of unnecessary. (laughs) Uh, I think I think they did that as like their spore replacement because there's no spores in this show. Oh, that's that's I think that's why they did it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise we'd be like constantly in like gas masks for half of the episodes true which would make joel even harder to understand yeah makes sense that makes sense i didn't even think about that but i do actually like this better than spores it seems more realistic and more grounded than like actual mycology see i don't know anything about mycology (laughs) i'm forced secondhand to learn about mycology so (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) Although I know that like mushrooms do spores, like that is yes, no, I mean, yeah, that's that is a, that's how they thing. reproduce. Un- underneath the mushroom cap, like if you run your finger in there, then it'll be covered in spores. So that's definitely a real thing. Yeah. I just don't think they wanted to budget that into the TV show because it would take a while to like look good because it's gonna like fill the screen too much. Your bit rate's gonna like yeah, tank. it's yeah. it's either gonna like be a lot. It's either gonna look bad CGI. Or it's going to take way too long to get that atmosphere going. Yeah. And maybe it would probably be bad for the cameras and, like, all the equipment. Mm -hmm. So, like, I can see, now that I'm, like, kind of forced to sit here and think about it, it, like, completely makes sense. Um, 
So, so some of the shots look incredibly close to the game. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yes. like the the actual set design is like so close to the game. Yeah, it's like almost surreal. It's weird. Uh, yeah, especially it's like, really cool, but it's. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the moment where it's like, hey, you can't deny the view. It's like that is like shot for shot. Yeah, exactly the same, um, which is very even impressive. just like the color palette is like one to one almost. Yeah. Um, although I noticed that they have been moving some stuff around, which I feel like purists are going to care about, but like the hotel thing, which is, is that where Tess gets bit in the hotel? But it's like the hotel into the the hotel, the museum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that hotel and like the lines that Ellie says, and then Joel saying, you're a weird kid. That isn't until like after the ambush, after they have the car, um, and then they drive into the city and then they're ambushed by all those weirdo guys, mm-hmm. um, which I just got to. And I'm like, oh, that's where that that's is interesting. Um, but I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm sure they're going to like handle that different because, I mean, that whole part isn't going to work as a show. <laughs> like it is, it is too like heartbeat monitory. Where it's like nothing, spike, nothing, spike. You kind of got to pace it out a little bit better for TV. Um, which is, I think, one of They've the big... They've been doing a good job so far. Huh? They've been doing a pretty good job of it so far. No, I, I have no complaints with how the show has been structured. Um, it's just, it's going to be different inherently oh, yeah. with it being an adaptation. Which is what I want. I want the same story beats, but I want like the parts of the certain areas that like didn't make a game because it wouldn't have worked or something. Right. Or like these kind of more trailer esque moments. Yeah. I mean, like you're going to have to change stuff, you know, yeah. that's just how it, how it is. Um, cause TV shows, believe it or not, are structured differently than games what? are. <laughs> I know you don't have to think about what yeah, the player is actually going to do. You're just watching cutscenes. TV shows are just hour-long cutscenes, if you think about it. Real. I can't wait for this Succession video game. It's going to be great. When are we going to get adaptations going the other way? Where it's like, this is the Watchmen TV show. Video games. Well, that's true. That's true. Not anymore. not good unless it's Shrek for the the GameCube. For some reason. Shrek 2 was was a very good game. Spider-Man 2 also. Yes. Very, very good. Um, I don't know. Sometimes they went hard, and then sometimes they were just cash grabs. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what what made some different, but some just hit different. I think that was just THQ's playbook was to like be the the game developer for every single movie IP, yeah, or TV show or wrestling just, or whatever else it's just that thq was wildly inconsistent where yeah. it was like i don't know like they did other dreamworks games like they probably did like shark tale and like ants but it's like those games don't get talked about shrek 2 gets talked about it's like why what is this i don't get it but maybe thq should go back to making movie games True. But I, 
I have noticed that movie games have kind of fallen out of fashion a little bit, and I wonder if some of that is because of mobile games, because those are cheaper and more kids will play them. True. Or you could make a game for the Switch, but that's more expensive. Or you can just Mm -hmm. port your mobile game to the Switch, which is what some people do. Yeah, that's that's the real way to do it. Yeah. It says Bob Dylan once said, the times, they are a-changing. Yep. And THQ is uh, dead. He was actually referencing uh, the Switch port. He was referencing the Switch (laughs) ports of uh, SpongeBob games. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, there you go. Those are our thoughts, I guess, on The Last of Us 2. Well, Last of Us Episode 2. We're not going to get into it, but I feel like we probably should have anyways because we need to fill time. We do. So let's talk about... We'll, we'll just go through show news very quickly because we only have one show news thing. Uh, and we were just joking about it before we started this podcast. <laughs> um, but it is that Rick and Morty is going to continue production through seasons 7 and 10. 7 through 10. Without Justin Roiland... After all of the allegations, frankly, I don't know much about what was all going on there. Um, not 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 a huge Justin Roiland fan, so I I did not uh, really pay attention to all that. I just know that it. I think it was sexual assault stuff. Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, the typical like creepy DM fan advantage kind of stuff. Yeah, I think. Um. I did. My <laughs> my my girlfriend actually sent me a tweet uh, when all that was going down, where it was like uh, annoying bros that like Channel Five and Rick and Morty are just having a really <laughs> shitty week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like, "This made me think of you," and I'm like, "I'm not a Justin Roiland fan." <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. <laughs> about. How dare you insult me? <laughs> uh, But, yeah, so they're replacing Justin Roiland. Justin Roiland, of course, very involved with the creation of Rick and Morty, also plays Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. (laughs) And I think he was, I mean, I don't know if he still is, but in the early seasons, it was pretty much just him and Dan Harmon writing all those episodes. Yeah. Um, So, sounds like he is getting kicked off and that everyone else is going to kind of... take up the slack i guess dan Harmon is a i uh, still a part of it he's going to be the sole i guess kind of creative director over there so yeah we'll see adult swim may have jumped the jump like, the shark canceling the show because the people at least still have employment and they're not let go because of one dude well yes i they might have canceled it if they didn't sign a contract for like 10 well, years yeah, after probably. season 3 they looked up <laughs> Adult Swim for some reason I mean it was like one of the most successful animated shows so I know why yeah. they did it it's just like even at the time I was like man are they gonna have enough ideas for like six more seasons no no I mean I, I don't think know. they made fun of themselves saying that this show is gonna go on forever multiple times in the show perfect because they don't really tell jokes they just say something quirky and then they actually do it and everybody's like look at how quirky they are 
Meta jokes are funny if you do them all the time. If you do them all the time, <laughs> it's your only joke. <laughs> That's why everybody loves, uh, I don't know, like modern Simpsons. That's kind of what they do, right? I have no idea. Probably. I haven't watched The Simpsons in years. Okay. I'm trying to think of other shows that do Velma? Velma does it. <laughs> Velma does that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, meta jokes can be funny. But on they, occasion. On occasion. It's Reusables. one of those... Um, I'm trying to think of like a good thing that does meta humor good. Um, <laughs> this is tricky. This is trickier than I thought it was going to be. Does the Lego movie count? Is that meta humor? Um, I would. I would think so. There, there's some meta stuff in there. It's overarching meta humor. It's not like. It's like the whole thing is kind of a meta joke. To <laughs> right. Be and I'm thinking of like when Morgan Freeman Lego dies. Batman. Yes, Lego with Batman. Batman. Is, yeah. Because um, all of that is like making fun of like Dead, Batman Deadpool's movies. meta humor. Oh, true, but I, and that kind of gets annoying too. Oh yeah, for too, sure. if you do too much. I wasn't listing good examples. Okay, I was, I was trying to think of good examples. <laughs> oh, okay. um, but like the specific moment I was thinking of in the Lego Movie is after like the Morgan Freeman's character dies, and then like he becomes like a glow in the dark like ghost, and then he's like hoisted up by like a little bit of twine. Oh yeah. That's that's good, that it's like he's a Lego guy, so of course it's like, kids are playing with him. Although I don't remember if the kids are playing. Yeah, the kid. The, that's the whole thing is that it's the son doing the kids it. Kids and Will Ferrell. <laughs> Not Will Ferrell yet. Not yet. Will Ferrell comes in and it's like, ah, how dare you? I'm very upset. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the only good instance of meta humor in the entire canon of visual media pretty much high on life is a bad example it's tying it back around to justin roiland (laughs) (laughs) round out the segment (laughs) round out the segment a bit uh yeah i wanted to play that game because a couple of the guys from red letter media are in it i'm like oh i want to see their cameo I could not get past, like, the first level. It was too much. So, there you go. I even turned the the quirky dialogue setting all the way down, which that's how you know you have a good game. Like you put a dialogue setting in there because your gun won't shut up. (laughs) You know that, like, the writing for your game is good if you put in the settings if you don't want to hear it anymore. It's the same with like the spi- the puzzles in the Spider-Man game where it's like, you know, the puzzles are good because they put in a skip puzzle button after like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. It's you, good for 30 seconds. <laughs> it's good for 30 seconds, but then we're just assuming you're too stupid or you hate puzzles and you're just going to skip it. Um, don't do that. Either commit or don't. Just remove it. Spider-Man, you could have just removed it. That's it for show news. Nice. Uh, Let's talk about movie news. We got some movie news about Edgar Wright's new flick. 
I think Baby Driver 2 is his next one. It's the next one that's going to be released, but we have some news about the uh, next original Edgar Wright movie that's going to be coming out. Seems like he is leaning into the horror stuff that he was doing before with Last Night in Soho. Well, that's not like a traditional horror movie, I suppose. Thriller. Eh, yeah, thriller. I would say it's a thriller. Um, his new movie is called The Chain. Hopefully Fleetwood Mac is in it somewhere. If he doesn't do a stupid, weird flip of the song in the trailer to make it super edgy and cinematic, then I'm not watching it. <laughs> Edgar Wright would, though. Yeah, he You would. know Edgar Wright loves his movies. Um, I'd hope so. Yeah, well, not movies. He loves his music, <laughs> is what I meant to say. I mean, he made a whole movie about that. Yeah. Baby Driver. Uh, but this new one called The Chain. The synopsis is, uh, this: the film follows a mother whose child is kidnapped, which forces her to kidnap another child to have hers released and continue the chain. I don't, see, I don't know if this is going to be like a horror thriller or if it's going to be like a dark comedy, a la Shaun of the Dead or something. That'd I don't know. Cool. I love those movies. Um, but we got who's going to be playing the mom, which I can't, I can't view this person as a mom, but I guess she is technically old enough to be a mom. And that is Emma Stone. She is oh. going to be. Yeah, I, I always just view her as her character in super bad. Even in La La no, That was a while ago. I know. <laughs> I know. That movie came out in 2007. I am aware that this was a long time ago. Uh, Oh, she's only 34, though. So, I guess technically she could be a mom. Most people, if they want children, are mothers at that point. Well, she yeah. does. Well, she is a mom. She has a kid. I was going to say. Go. She, <laughs> she already qualifies them. Yeah. yeah. She has real life experience. <laughs> Although, well, she's a new mom because she gave birth in December of 21. So it's fine. Yeah. Long enough. So she's like barely a mom. <laughs> kids only like one. <laughs> Doesn't it's even not even count. a real mom. We're gatekeeping mothers now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three dudes gatekeep motherhood. <laughs> As it should be. As it should be. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that Edgar Wright movie. Uh, I, I'm pretty much just following Edgar Wright. Through everything he does now, um, even though I'm not, I'm not such a big fan of his stuff post the Simon Pegg collab. If he and Simon Pegg got back together to make a movie, I think I would be the happiest boy in the Seven Seas, because uh, the Cornetto trilogy are some of my favorite movies. But um, it does not look like we are doing that. Simon Pegg is too busy being in the Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise. Although, I think this next one is the last one. I think they've said that for the past three. Well, yeah, but Tom Cruise is too old. Yeah. I mean... He can only I, do his own stunts for so long. Yeah, he's already 60. He can't, he can't be dropping out of planes anymore. Like well, he he's did very in the short, so I think he's good still. That's true, he will have if a... If he was a tall person, he'd be dead by now. That he's is a short true. king. Yeah. Well, he's short, but he's no king. No. Yes. 
All my homies hate Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. I don't hate Tom Cruise. A short pun. <laughs> sure. He's he's a short duke. I'll you're give him duke. King or you're a pun. Okay. No There's no in between. <laughs> you're either a king or you're a pawn, brother. Well, if we're doing chess analogies, we could say that he's a short bishop since he is for the Scientology they church. Call me in high school. Ooh, yeah, that's true. So there, we could do that. He's a short yeah, bishop. I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's 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 a pretty decent piece in the game, but uh, he's not as yeah, important. Yeah, that fits Tom Cruise perfectly. Yeah, he he can move in diagonals, but he can't do everything. Mm-hmm. He is not as versatile as a queen. Mm-hmm. Like. A true queen would be a, um, I'm trying to think of like, well, I don't want to say like Daniel Day-Lewis, because that's, <laughs> I guess technically, but how, how tall is Daniel Day-Lewis? I want to, I want a short Tom queen. Cruise. Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, he's 6'2". Daniel Day-Lewis is not a yeah, short queen at all. Is, da- is Danny DeVito a short queen? Oh, for sure. Okay. 4'10". <laughs> I'll count it. <laughs> Danny DeVito is the most versatile actor of <laughs> for, for He's done so many different roles. <laughs> he's always the uh, kind of scuzzy guy from Jersey. Doisy. Which I'm all for. But there you go. I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, Simon Pegg and then, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure they were like, like even Tom Cruise was like, this is the last one I'm doing. So if they are going to keep making them, it's not going to be with Tom Cruise anymore. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe this will free up Simon Pegg's schedule. I don't know what else he's doing. Is he in a, he was in the Star Trek movies with the J.J. Abrams ones, but he's, I mean, he's not making those anymore. So like, I don't know what Simon Pegg's up to. Maybe he and Edgar Wright should get back together. I just I just always think that, but at that, now I'm hoping I'm hoping against hope. All right, are you guys sluts for the award season? Oops. Oh my god! I oh, I am too. I am too. That's why I'm excited to announce the Oscar noms were officially released today, as of us recording this. Uh, so we will go over the important ones, which means we aren't talking about short films. We aren't talking about hair and makeup, because those are the least important things. Um, I well, don't know, man. That's up to opinion. <laughs> eh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll talk about songs first, I guess. Because uh, Pinocchio got gypped. Because Chow Papa is the best song I've heard in a movie so far. Not so far. <laughs> but this year. Uh, and it, it did not get nominated. Uh, a Top Gun song got ma- uh, nominated. Uh, this is a Life from Everything Everywhere got nominated. I mean, I don't... Of all the things that uh, Everything remember. Everywhere got right, I don't really remember the score. Yeah. But Natu Natu from RRR is a shoe-in, hopefully. They they could give it to Lift Me Up for, for Wakanda Forever, but I I hope not. Is that the Rihanna one? 
I think so. Yeah. I didn't listen to the second soundtrack, so. I didn't either. All right, now that we're done with the stupid ones, let's talk about um, animated. We'll do animated first. This is a stacked category. It was pretty stacked in the, uh, what, with the Golden Golden Globes? Um, Golden Globes. I mean, really, there's just three movies that I think are just really good that came out. I guess technically last year. I guess Puss in Boots got nominated, but like that movie like just came out. I don't know. I mean, I appreciate that it's nominated because it is one of the best animated movies of, of recent memory. But I feel like this category is getting a little too broad because there's no way that Puss in Boots and... Del Toro's Pinocchio and Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Those are barely all the same medium. Because, like, yeah. Del Toro's all stop motion. Marcel the Shell is mostly live action with stop motion elements. Um, and then Puss in Boots is, you know, computer animated. So technically they're all animated, but, like, very different forms of animation to the point where I don't know if they should even be compared to each other. I guess as movies, they're all equal, but in terms of like storytelling, but it's just a little weird. To, it's a little arbitrary because technically they're all animated, but whatever. Um, if I had to guess, probably Pinocchio's going to win. The Academy loves Del Toro, so that would be my guess. Plus, they didn't nominate it for Best Picture because they're cowards, so they'll probably give it to Del Toro there. Uh, for, let's see, for Best Writing, Original Screenplay, we got Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Anishirin. I think Banshees probably got the most nominations this year. I think I think it got eleven. Let me let me see. Uh, why this page doesn't have all of them? I'm pretty sure I saw that Banshee's got eleven. I think Everything Everywhere got nine. Um, so original screenplay you got Banshees. You got the Daniels for Everything Everywhere. You got Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner for The Fablemans. Todd Field for Tar and Rupert. Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. Um, this is going to be tricky because I feel like even though I think this movie doesn't deserve it, I think Banshees is probably going to sweep. Uh, they let A24 get nominated a bunch so that they can say that they're unbiased, but then they're just going to give it to the artsy bullshit that was... I don't get why people like this movie so much. I'm I'm a big Martin McDonough fan, and that, that movie did not have the cultural staying power that his other ones did. I'm sorry. Uh, so, I think if I had to choose, it would be Everything Everywhere, obviously. Um, but also, I didn't see Tar, so I don't know. I have been meaning to see Tar, but uh, it is not out on streaming yet, I don't think. Uh, for Best Director, it's the same people. Uh, except Tony Kushner did not direct 
the Fablemans that is Spielberg. This one, I feel like they might do a curveball. This one, they might give this... I don't know. Has Spielberg won a Best Director? Does anyone know? I feel like he had to at some point. <laughs> Let's see. Um... Okay, so he got nominated for Best Director for West Side Story last year, which made him the first person to receive Best Director nominations across six different decades, which is crazy. Um, but has he, has he won? I want to see if... I mean, surely he's won. He's won for Best Picture. Okay, he won Best Director for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. That's it? Okay. Interesting. He's been nominated a bunch, but only one for Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. So, interesting. Uh, so they might give it to him again. I don't know. Again, I would probably pick everything. Um, because that movie has some crazy directing with it. The... <laughs> I mean... I mean, I think for special effects, which you don't usually talk about, but I feel like, oh, they didn't even nominate everything everywhere for special effects. What the hell? That's weird. This is this is a crime. Rigged. How are you going to have the Batman for special effects and not everything everywhere? Or Black Panther? This is a crime. A superhero movie. I get that. I mean, Avatar is nominated for that, so Avatar is probably going to win. Just just throwing that out there. I'm surprised Avatar has not been nominated as of yet. It really wasn't nominated for a bunch. Yeah, I think it was only nominated for like VFX and Best Picture, which maybe means it's going to win Best Picture. I'm just going to throw that out there so that my heart isn't completely broken when the Oscars happen and it wins Best Picture. Uh, for Best Supporting Actor, you got Brendan Gleeson for Banshees. You got Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans. Barry Key... I always mispronounce this guy's name. Barry Keoghan? Keohan? He's Irish, I don't know. For Banshees. And then uh, Ki Hui Kwan, Everything Everywhere. Uh, which, by the way, he has been... He, like, released a statement after getting nominated for the Oscars, and he is just, he's the sweetest little guy. I i mean, I saw, if you guys have not seen his acceptance speech for when he won the Golden Globe, I highly recommend it. it he is just so sweet, and uh, he's, he's, he's the type of guy to, like, not forget where he came from, and I really appreciate that about him. So I really hope he wins. And I don't really think anyone else on here deserves it as much as he does, like as a person. Um, but that is not what the Academy cares about. They're probably going to give it to someone from Banshees. Uh, for Best Supporting Actress, you got Angela Bassett from Black Panther. You got Hong Cho from The Whale. Carrie Condon from Banshees. And then you got Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hsu from Everything Everywhere thus correcting the mistake that the Golden Globes did by only nominating Jamie Lee Curtis and Everything Everywhere for Best Supporting Actress and not Stephanie Hsu for some reason. Even though she probably wouldn't have won, it was weird that, that out of both of those 
uh, actresses and everything everywhere, Stephanie Hsu definitely gave a better performance and was way more impactful in the movie um, than Jamie Lee Curtis's role in that movie. But Jamie Lee Curtis is a recognizable name, so I get that you kind of have to do that too. Uh, Carrie Condon was pretty good in Banshees. I think she probably gave the best performance, which is going to be upsetting to film bros everywhere, but I hate you. I saw the movie. I I have a right to give my opinion on it. And uh, uh, what's his name? Colin Farrell. I love the guy, but man, his performance made me so frustrated. And maybe that's the point, but I hate you. Stop. Uh, so there you go. It's probably going to go, honestly, if I had to guess, it might go to Stephanie Hsu. Like, I don't know. Angela Bassett, maybe. Maybe. Maybe they'll let Black Panther have the win. But I don't see anyone else winning on here. Like, for Academy's politics stuff. Uh, for Best Actress, you got Kate Blanchett in Tar. You got Ana de Armas in Blonde. Andrea Riseborough for, from To Leslie. Michelle Williams in The Fablemans. And Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere. I've only seen two of those. Uh, Ana de Armas in Blonde. I've heard that her performance is good, but that's like the only good thing about that movie. Um, honestly, Michelle Yeoh has it. I... Maybe Kate Blanchett might get it. Depends on how many awards Everything Everywhere is going to get. Because if they get a bunch of the, like, best director, best screenplay stuff, then they're not going to get as many acting ones. Um, so that's a little unfortunate. Uh, but for best actor, you got Austin Butler, Elvis, Colin Farrell, Banshees, Brendan Fraser, uh, The Whale, Paul Mescal in After Sun and Bill Nighy in uh, Living. If there, if if the Academy had, was brave and had courage, then they would they would give it to Brendan Fraser. But because the Academy is a bunch of spineless cowards, they're going to give it to Kyle, Colin Farrell. Or second runner up is Austin Butler. But everyone and their dad knows that it should be Brendan Fraser. And he also has been giving very nice statements about being Oscar-nominated. So give it to the people that actually deserve it, Academy, you cowards. I have nothing against Colin Farrell. He seems like a very nice guy. But he's not as nice as Brendan Fraser. Austin Butler, he keeps doing the voice. I think he Christopher walken himself, where, like, Christopher Walken has that distinct voice because he, like, had a role in a stage thing like when he was young and he's just kind of stuck Austin Butler is just always Elvis now and I don't know if he's doing that because that's how people know him or if he legitimately did Christopher Walken himself and now he's just always gonna sound like Elvis in which case it's it's not a not a condition I would wish, wish upon my worst enemy but Austin Butler got the bag so whatever all right, now it's time for the big, the big gun, best picture. Uh, we got All Quiet on the Western Front, which I've heard is fantastic, but it's a foreign movie, so it's probably not going to win. Avatar 2, 
Uh, winner. Probably. Easy. Man. I hope not. <laughs> but, and, and I'm wondering, because there is some history, because famously, James Cameron did not win Best Picture for the first Avatar. Instead, it was given to his wife for, I think, The Hurt Locker. What's it? Catherine Bigelow? I think that's her name. Um, Big Lebowski. Yes. And that was, yes, Catherine Bigelow. It was all just a big kind of middle finger to James Cameron because he's such an asshole. Um, <laughs> so hopefully they do the same thing again because uh, I hate James Cameron. I, I did watch a very sweet conversation he had with the director from RRR. Um, where I think it was like in the after party for the Golden Globes, um, James Cameron approached the guy from RRR and like went in depth with what he really loved about that movie for like three minutes straight. I loved that because you could tell that the director from RRR was like legitimately like so appreciative and like like it was such an honor for him, which is so good. I love I love seeing that. James Cameron is just never that. He was like the most gatekeepy director, except for maybe like Christopher Nolan. I'm trying to think of like other directors that are so like toxic with how their art needs to be like consumed because that's all it is. At this point, like I'm not entirely sure that James Cameron even cares about making things anymore. If it, it's just like, to make theaters have something to put in and make a bunch of money. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. I don't know anything about Women Talking or Triangle of Sadness. Um, If Top Gun wins, that's a crime. I know everybody loved that movie. CIA sponsored. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I will. I will give that movie that it was very impressive on a technical level, like the fact that they were actually shooting in planes and stuff, and how like practical everything was was amazing. But the movie was just the first movie. Or. It's just the Death Star run from uh, Star War. Because that's, it's pretty much the Death Star run from Star War. Which is fine, but it's not the best movie of the year. I don't think Top Gun's going to win. If Top Gun wins Best Picture, that's going to be like the ultimate curveball. But I think that's like Black Panther being nominated in 2019. Where it's like, you gotta give it, eh. It was, like, a really popular movie this year, so we got to nominate it for Best Picture, at least. I feel like that's kind of what I'm getting from it. In terms of, like, things that I think actually have a shot, I think Avatar, Banshees, Fablemans, maybe Tar, if they're feeling spicy, but I don't... That the Academy's not never feeling spicy. Uh, maybe Everything Everywhere. It's hard to say. Depends, it depends on the politics of it all. And I'm not talking about, like, actual politics. I'm talking about award show politics. Yeah. Um, 
Even though the Academy also needs to work on their actual politics. No, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel, at least this year, actually wasn't terrible. Um, in terms of, like, if we're talking about act, actor and actress ones, which I feel like are usually the ones that people we'll see criticize. Pick, though. <laughs> true. This is true. But in terms of actress, you know, Angela Bassett's Black, Hong Cho, and Stephanie Hsu are both uh, Southeastern Asian. And then Jamie Lee Curtis and Carrie Condon are white. If they give it to Jamie Lee Curtis, that's going to be like the ultimate slap <laughs> in the face and like the most Academy thing ever. Um, but honestly, if Carrie Condon got it, I don't think I would be especially sad. It would just be like, okay, out of everyone, you're giving it to her. Um, yeah, I guess everyone else is white. <laughs> it's the actress ones that are pretty diverse, but yeah, everyone in best actor is white. Best Supporting Actor. Let me see. I think Brian Tyree Henry is... Oh, that's the guy from Atlanta. That's Paperboy. Yeah. I should know that. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know when the show is. Is it... Um... Well, this this website sucks. I need to know when the Oscars are. Oscars 2023, March 12th. So we got some time. I don't know why they wait so long. Because voting closed last week. So like they already know what it is. So we're just waiting. Let's wait. Not even the Emmys had to wait that long, I don't think. That was like a month. This is like over... It's a little over a month and a half. So, I guess that gives everyone enough time to get their dresses. Or in Doja Cat's, uh, you know, fate, then she will just get a new color of paint. She's got a lot of different colors to go through. I think I think she can rewear that. That's true. Well, she just did red. She should do an RGB one. <laughs> an RGB, like... What, latex suit or something? <laughs> yeah. That would be so sick. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, I think that might be it. Well, that I have. We'll move on to music. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have... Well, I have one thing for music, but you're definitely going to talk about it, so... What? I know. Wait. Um, yeah. Uh, I said it last week, and it happened. It so. did. Uh, it was Actually, like it happened the day after. <laughs> it was the we day recorded. after. I know. Yeah. We immediately dated the recording of last week's podcast. Yep. But I was right still. So this is true. Um, but yeah, Boy Genius. Uh, the record. Um, we might have accidentally uh, got the name right too, because that's just such a. That's how you say album sometimes. But the record is their debut record. Uh, I think it comes out, what, like March 31st? Like uh, March, I yeah, think. I think so. Yeah. Let me see. 
Um, we can keep talking. Let's go. 31st of March. Had, yeah. yeah. But we, we did get three singles, like, right away. Um, I signed up for the mailing list for the website because I know people were like, oh, the website's changing. Something's going to happen. So I signed up for the email newsletter. And then, then literally the next day, like, it opened. So I got a vinyl, like, five minutes after the site opened. No, oh, all right. Um, but, yeah, we got three singles right away. Um, usually I'd be like, why are you doing three singles at a time? But I feel like it makes sense for this group since every song is, like, uh, each members of the group like brought their songs, and then this is what they kind of turned into. Yeah. Um, they're all pretty good, I, w- I will say. Uh, it was very different the first time listening to them. I'm like, all right, this is definitely gonna be a different sounding album. The the last one was very like acoustic, um, but yeah, I think Julian's is twenty dollars. Um, that's fantastic song. I absolutely the harmonies across this album are gonna be just insanely good like that's the main draw for boy genius in general oh yeah but, yeah just the the harmonies are so good because you have like every single range of vocal that you want for this <laughs> kind of style right. one package is kind of crazy um but yeah twenty dollars fantastic uh emily i'm sorry actually like my least favorite even though it's a phoebe song which has never happened ever <laughs> um it's true but i mean it's still pretty good uh I guess I've been in less of a, a, a sad boy mood and more of a I want some nice music to listen to mood. Um, but I, I think True Blue, uh, Lucy Dacus's uh, con- contribution. I think I think True Blue is my favorite. Oh, okay. Out of the three, for sure. Um, definitely gives me home video vibes, but like the harmonies and the backing vocals and just like, ugh, it's so good. So, I mean, I think there's like 13 tracks on this thing. Um, very excited. Uh, they're they're huge now, or they're gonna be huge. Yeah, they're one point six million monthly listeners already. Um, I think. <laughs> I I guess the EP was still pretty popular, but now that like all three of them are kind of in the spotlight, it's gonna be pretty huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to this big time. Yeah, I haven't listened to any of the singles. I want to go in completely blind oh with a reaction. Well, I, if it was one single, I'd probably listen to it. But three, I'm yeah. like, eh, that's like, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big chunk of the record. I'm just gonna not do any of them. So I needed to listen to them immediately because I needed some crumb of new music in my life. That is, this fair. is like the first. This is the these are the first songs that have come out this year that I've added to like my playlist because <laughs> there's nothing else that's come out. Yeah, that's it's, super it's been slow. so slow. Yeah. yeah. Besides Cemetery, I did listen to some of the Cemetery songs this week, so those went kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Perfect. But yeah, we will be doing a reaction to that, definitely. Um, cemetery or Boy Genius? Boy Genius. Uh, cemetery, <laughs> possibly, because we do have some on the wheel. So okay. we'll see, I guess. <laughs> Um, but other than that, uh, news wise, I think we're still pretty bare for things. Um, I think Gex are starting their tour, so I know the album's coming in like a month or two. So February we will have new music, so I can actually talk about albums that will come out no starting music. then, I guess. But for now, it's literally nothing. It's crumbs over here. Yeah. Unless I want to listen to Ice Spice or. Mac DeMarco do instrumentals or something. I don't know. But uh, I have been doing a metal a metal deep dive or still surface dive kind of. Um, 
but this week I did a couple. So uh, I did do Black Sabbath Paranoid. I, I wanted to start all the way at the uh, the uh, ground zero, if you will. Um, there you go. It's not their self-titled. That would be like truly ground zero. But I wanted to listen to Paranoid because I've heard like half the track list. But I wanted to see like how the other tracks hold up. Um, very good album. It you can tell like it was in the seventies. It's there's like a prog element to it almost. Still, like it still gives a little bit of King Crimson vibes just because of the age that it came out in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes hard. I mean, War Pigs is fantastic. You got War Pigs, Paranoid, Iron Man on this thing. Like those are all huge, gigantic songs. Um, but even like Planet Caravan is super trippy. Like a lot of like anti-war sentiment um, on this stuff, which is really cool, and a lot of like uh, like psychedelic references. Um, anti-war references on so. a metal record. What? What is this? How dare you? In the seventies, <laughs> even that's like unheard of. Are you kidding me? Um, what machine yeah. are they fighting against? Tell me. <laughs> Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Paranoid's fantastic. I mean, it's it's just a really easy listening, like good record. Um, I do want to listen to uh, Master of Reality next because I think that is more like sludgy. I've heard, which is what I'm I'm really into. But this thing is still pretty fantastic. Um, then I did a little detour into, uh, I guess both of these albums are uh, stoner metal and doom metal. Oh. But stoner metal is basically just slowed down metal. It's pretty sick. Um, <laughs> okay. But I listened to uh, Dope Smoker by Sleep, which is two songs and it's an hour and 11. I think, <laughs> yeah, one, <laughs> one track's an hour and three minutes and the other one's eight minutes. Um, really fantastic. Like. It's one of those things where it's not quite ambient, like something's happening at all times, but it's more like really good background music, um, which is weird for a metal record, but like it, it goes hard. It's chunky, it's heavy, the vocals are good, and they're few and far between, but like when they come out, when, when they come in, they're pretty good. Um, yeah, definitely like a very easy, like listening good metal album. Um, and then the other one I did was uh, Dope Thrown by Electric Wizard. Uh, this is, again, same genre. Um, there are long songs in this thing, but not hour-long songs. 15-minute song is the is the longest one. Um, but, again, very heavy. I love how loud and noisy everything is. Um, there's, like, almost shoegazy elements thrown in there with, like, guitar noise and reverb. Um, vocals are, like, more punkish, I would say, than metalish, which is good. I still cannot get used to, like, screamo vocals yet, so... I'm just, like, writing all the bands I can that don't have that kind of vocal style first to get used to it. Um, but this one's pretty good as well. I think I do like it better than Dope Smoker because I don't have to listen to an hour song if I want to listen to it. This one I can pick different songs and actually just listen to the record like a human being. Um, so that's nice. But, yeah, I mean, this one's pretty sick as well. Um, I'm definitely into the stoner metal thing because it's, like, for me, it's easier listening coming from post-rock because it is so, like, slow and methodical compared to, uh, like, a lot of other metal, which is just, like, breakneck constantly. Um, but speaking of breakneck constantly, I also did Slipknot's Iowa, uh, Iowa's what? greatest export, many would say. Um, this is their... Yeah. Except for pretty Elijah much Wood. High, 
Uh, yeah, of course. And cedar wood. <laughs> or oh. c- cedar rapids. And cedar wood. Cedar wood. <laughs> well, yes, we're known for our logging. Yes. <laughs> You're known for your logging because you don't have any trees anymore because they all got <laughs> taken down. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think this is their most, like, critically acclaimed one. It's also very popular. Um, yeah. It is new metal, technically. Uh, but this is good new metal, which is kind of few and far between, honestly. It's like new metal. It's like you get the early Slipknot stuff, and then you get System of a Down, um, and then it's into like immediately into Limp Biscuit te- territory after that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> kind of have to walk a fine line. But this stuff's pretty sick. Um, it is a long album. It's an hour long, but like for most of it, it is pretty breakneck. It does not let up at all. Um, and the later, because I did listen to All Hope is Gone first, and that came out in 2008. There was a lot more melody in that album. Um, Iowa is more, like, more demonic vocals just all the time. Um, and it's, it's like, stuff where it's, like, it is new metal, so it's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is over the top and, like, cool, bro. Uh, that kind of stuff where it's like, yo, look at how sick those <laughs> lyrics are, bro. They're yeah. edgy. Um, but it's still a lot of fun to listen to. I don't take it too seriously. It's just like their playing is super tight, super fantastic. Like the breakdowns are great. Um, it's just breakneck speed from like the minute the second track starts like onward. So, uh, even like the, the title track being a 15 minute song at the end, is like kind of a weird way to end it. It's very atmospheric and slow, but, um, I still dig it. I mean, when it comes to like metalcore stuff and new metal, like, this is definitely the best one I've listened to. Um, besides uh, System of Down's Toxicity, which I do want to listen, re-listen to, but I remember, uh, I remember hearing that album like when I was like thirteen and it being like insanely good. So I think that held up pretty well. But I do need to listen to it again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do like Iowa a lot more than All Hope Is Gone in my Slipknot journey. Um, if I want to put on Slipknot, I want to like, I need like insane drumming constantly and i need just fast paced um but yeah i I think they have a new drummer now because their old one passed away but the old drummer is on this one um i think it's joey like he is just killing this entire record (laughs) yeah it's so good yeah my my uncle was in a band with him yeah yeah he's a he's a a good old boy for real yeah but yeah, this thing is really solid. I need to listen to it more because I literally just listened to it before we did the podcast. Um, well, but I'm liking what I'm hearing so far. Yeah, I have to be in a very specific mood for metal that's like fast paced and breakneck. But I mean, it's quality stuff. I can't, I can't not uh, give it props for what it is. Uh, yeah, if you make new metal that holds up to the current day, like you've already kind of made the Hall of Fame because like <laughs> new metal is such an outdated style. Yeah, but. That's where I'm at in my metal journey. These are all pretty, like, introductory things still, but that's kind of where I have to start to, like, get a feel. Because I'm into doom metal and stoner metal, I know that. I'm trying to find my lane in, like, um, more alternative, like, metalcore kind of stuff. Um, Still having issues with that. Uh, I think I'm going to a metal concert in, like, a couple months, so I should probably get antiquated pretty quick. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... Well, I'm going to a Midwest emo show and I'm going to a metal show, I think, in the same month. Wow. So, 
You're going to yeah. have a whole lot of fun. You're going to be moshing. Yeah. I'm going to be moshing and I'm going to be crying. <laughs> Midwest emo or whatever you do with that. I don't know what you do with Midwest emo. I don't know. Just kind of sit there. Yeah. Does After I heard Brave get... Little Advocates, every other like Midwest emo album is very listenable. Like I was, we were listening to some of it like last week, and like the vocals are the exact same except toned down by like ten compared to Brave Little Advocates. So yeah, it's it's very doable. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's my music listening journey right now. Um, other than that, we're on drugs. I need to listen to that album that we just reacted to more. That one was pretty sick. Yeah, it was pretty um, sick. But. As far as that goes, that's where I'm at. I'll continue to find stuff as I'm going here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of reaction videos, um, when it comes to, like, new, new stuff, I guess we'll do Boy Genius. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else we want to do. I don't know what else is coming out. Yeah. I is... felt like there was another one that we were going to react to. Um... um I think someone put a request for the new Caroline Polachek record, so we could put that on the wheel once that comes out. Uh, yes, I don't know that anything one's got about a Valentine's that. Valentine's Day release. Caroline Polachek. We could do the Gorillas album if you wanted to. I oh, guess. we could do Cracker Island. Cracker Island. I have been known to be a cracker. Real. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, apparently Paranool has an album coming out. Paramore? Uh, Paramore. They oh. do have an album coming out, actually. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, That's they what do. I thought you were Paramore saying. comes out February 10th. Okay. Um, but Paranol, which is a, I think they're South Korean shoegaze. I talked about one of the records a while ago. Oh. Uh, they have an album coming out Friday, I think. So. What? Uh, okay, I'll listen to that. So well, I guess go. I'll have something to talk about next week. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's been a very slow start of two year, like really yeah. slow. And it's not just music. I think it's just media. No, it's everything. (laughs) The last of a show was the biggest thing that's happening. And it's really good, but it's like the only thing that's happening. It's the only thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, nothing's going on in gaming. That show, that's it. People are still talking about Puss in Boots. But that came out a month ago. Uh I don't know. Movie stuff is is. I mean, we're in January, so we're getting the 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 big old January dump is what I think it's been come to be known as, where studios don't know where to put movies that that they take a risk on and they put it in January, which either means it's like really fantastic, or it's awful. Most of the time, it's awful. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a good January dump movie. But they have to exist. When did Everything Everywhere come out? I know that was early. Uh, like March. March? It was March. Okay, that one is not a January dump movie. People are liking that Megan movie? I'm not gonna see it. Kidding me? I think that's just like the queer icon horror movie. I think that's what's happening. I think they're yassifying the Megan doll thing. Perfect. So. <laughs> that's what that's what you love to see. Yeah, that's a ninety four percent on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's already got a squeakle, but it. Um, yeah, no, 
That's that. That's a no for me, Chief. Yeah, it's just been slow everywhere. But, you know, you would think this would be a great opportunity to watch some things and get caught up on things. Instead, I just watched Boyhood. Which it was pretty good. It was it was it was pretty good. What did it need to be two hours and forty three minutes? No. But it was pretty good. And Ethan Hawk, I just wish that Ethan Hawk was my dad. He is he is the best dad in the whole wide world. And you know how I feel about good dads in movies and and games and stuff. We need more good dads. I think that's the that's the underlying theme of this podcast. If you're a bad dad, you can stop that right now. Get better. And watch Boyhood and take notes from Ethan Hawke. But what if you're a rad dad? If you're a rad dad, that's good. That's what you want. You want a rad dad. But, yes, it is a good time to be a good dad. I will say that. Because you are getting represented hard. Uh, but yeah, that was it. I don't have like anything to say about Boyhood. It was just like, like everyone is aware of Boyhood and what it was, right? Uh, I don't think so. You don't. Boyhood is the movie that came out in like, I think twenty fourteen. That took like thirteen years to make, and it's like. You see the actors grow up. Have you heard of this? No. Nope. Oh. Oh. It was like a big thing when it came out. Because, like, I don't think anything had been done on that scale before. Which it is, it's really cool. Because you're seeing, like, an actual kid grow up from, like, six years old until he turns 18 and leaves to go to college. So you're seeing his entire upbringing. And it's actually believable because the actors are all growing up in, I don't want to say, well, yeah, kind of real time and, like, when the events happen. Um, But it is kind of, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to do that because, you know, people are growing up and stuff and they're different people. And directors and, and stuff, I think the writer, if I had to guess... This thing was probably, like, re-edited, like, a couple of years into it, because it feels like a completely different movie, like, after he hits middle school. Um, Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, It's actually kind of an interesting kind of character study on the technical side of things, to see how an art project that takes place over the course of, you know, 13 years or something... um, you know, how it can evolve and how it can change. Um, so it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I recommend it. Um, it's, it's more impressive if you're into like the, the filmmaking side of it. I don't know how accessible it is. Some of that is due to the length and some of it is, it's pretty G dang niche, but it's good. My girlfriend really likes it, which is really weird. Cause she hates like, well, she just, like, doesn't have the attention span for long movies, and we sat down and watched this nearly three-hour coming-of-age thing, and she's like, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, this is a complete curveball for me, but I will watch it. So, I did. 
That was pretty good. So, watch Boyhood. I think that was the only movie I saw this week was Boyhood. Um, I could talk about Captain Marvel, but I'm not going to. It doesn't deserve my time. <laughs> so, there you go. That's podcast. Tune in next week for nothing. Game. Well, I mean the Xbox thing. But aside from that, nothing! <laughs>